I was talking to Tim, and I don't think we have any internet this morning, so he can't throw the words up on the thingy. So we're just going to not have church this morning. Don't have internet, we'll have to cancel church. No, we'll, we'll make it. We'll just have to use this thing called the Bible. It's got printed, this printed word and it's not electronic and it's, it'll, you'll make it. It'll be all right. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 15 this morning. Very familiar scripture. We were, I was teaching the boys this week in, in this chapter and I just thought that I would uh, share with you a little bit about what we learned this week. And so, uh, here we go. This is not, oh, it's got a label on it. It said, do you know they sell five-gallon buckets of kosher dill pickles? If you don't think I couldn't eat a five-gallon bucket of kosher pickles, you would be incorrect. I could, I would die afterwards, but... But this bucket is what I keep my dog food in, and it's, it's full of dog food right now. So I want you to know because it's got some weight in it because that'll help you understand what we're talking about this morning. All right, let's all stand in honor of God's Word. Luke chapter 15, we're going to begin reading with verse 11. This is my Bible, the living Word of God. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. This Word is the truth never changes and can never be destroyed. Right now my mind is alert, my heart is open. I'm about to receive a life-changing experience. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything." When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. 
Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Tonight, this morning, I'm going to preach about the younger brother. Tonight, I'm going to preach about the older brother. And it's very important to watch how both of them react to this thing that happened. And so uh, I'd encourage you to come back tonight. It's, it's a neat story about, about uh, letting go and forgiving. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that your hand will be upon us, that we would hear your word about repentance. In order for us to be, live a radical life and live a radical life of worship, we have to come and be a, have a relationship with you. In order for that to happen, we have to have radical repentance in our life. And so, Father, today, I pray that you would draw people unto you. Father, if there would be anything in us that would not be of you and that we would need to repent of today, I pray that you would give us the courage to do so and not walk out of here carrying around the guilt and shame that we have because of our sin. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I tried to think of a theme for us to go for through this, go with this whole year. Uh, it's, uh, I was reading and <coughs> talking to some pastors and they said they had a theme that they were going to go through the whole year and that each month they would be talking about something this or whatever. And so I thought, you know, we'll have super, we'll live super Christian lives this year. And I thought that was dumb. And then I thought like new and improved. And I thought that's even dumber. And so I have a book that's probably my favorite book that I've ever read. And I read it about once or twice a year and it's Radical by David Platt. If you haven't read that book, you need to read it. And uh, so our theme for this year is going to be Living Radical. And we've had two really good services this, this year already here in January. We've been talking about worship, about worship. And I, I didn't say it at the time because I hadn't thought of it yet. But radical worship is what we were talking about, where we have a radical prayer life, a, a radical life of fasting, a radical life of worship, not only in church, but in our home. And that's radical to the world today, to actually live your life all the time for Christ. And so today we're going to talk about how do we get to this place, like we were talking about these last two weeks, how do we get there from where we are? And in order for us to have a right relationship, this relationship where we long to be in, in, uh, in, in uh, communion with God and be in communication with him all the time, we have to want that relationship. And in order for that relationship to happen, we have to have radical repentance. That's the entrance to that relationship. And so in order to have that, in order to be a radical worshiper, I have to have radical repentance in my life. Uh, radical living is nearly unheard of in this day and age when everything is based on me and what I want and the things that I feel and what makes me feel good about myself and everything that is, is, is based on my possessions and my money and my position, et cetera, et cetera. Dying to my wants and dying to my needs and living radically for God is unheard of. But we're going to try to do it. God has called us to this. Radical means uh, very much out of the ordinary, not the normal thing at all. There used to be a time when it was more normal to be Christian. 
There used to be a time when everybody, most everybody shared the same sort of morals. Many, many years ago, it was, it was more this way. But now, if you are Christian, you're a weirdo, all right? Uh, we was talking to uh, Sean and Brooke the other night, and they were talking about you know the, the, the ideas that they have for their family and, and the idea that mom and dad stays together and, and that we grow up and we pray in our home. And, and I said, that you're just a bunch of weirdos. And they said, we are, we are. And that's not the only reason you're weird, but that's just one of the many. Not you, Brooke, but Sean, is, he's off the chart. But anyway, it's not normal. It's not normal for us to live like that. If you sat down with the people you go to school with or you sat down with the people you work with and said, you know, our, our, our family, we sit down, we pray together, and we're going to church every time the doors are open, and we're going to fast, they go, man, you guys are crazy. That's off the chart. That's radical. But that's what God has called us to be, and it shouldn't even be radical. It should be normal. It should be the normal life. What happens to us should be so overwhelming that it drives us to this radical life for him. And God has called us to be radical worshipers. And in my reading this week of the prodigal son and, and, and this, this story, I, I put this lesson together and I was, I was reading uh, uh, some, some ideas on how to do this for kids. And, 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 I, and I had two buckets for the boys, and, and I'm only going to talk about one of the sons this morning. I'll talk about the other one tonight. But inside this bucket, it's filled with weight. And uh, as I began to tell the story, I had the boys pick up the buckets. And at first, it was easy for them to carry. But the longer the story went, the heavier it gets. And uh, there's two different stories going on in this. And, uh, and it's interesting that... Uh, the, both sons are dealing with two different problems. One son has come to his father and, and asked for his inheritance. And it's interesting that at this point in the story, at the point where this son says, I want my portion, both sons pick up something. Both of them have a problem. One of them has a sin problem and one of them has an unforgiveness problem. So I want you to remember that at the point where the son says, give me my inheritance, the father gives it to him. The younger, and I want this to be, this is all, this is my kid's inheritance right here. This is all that I could muster together. It's got some keys and some washers and some 22 shells and there's a small, there was a small pocket knife in there, but anyway. But if you, if you imagine that this day and age that was going on, we're going to be talking about the younger son. The older son would get two-thirds of the estate. That's just the way that it was. The older son would get the double portion. And so this younger son, when he asked, he's going to get a third of the estate. So I don't know if that's exactly a third, but we're going to imagine that that's a third of the estate. And so two-thirds of the estate is left. So let's just let's leave that there and keep that in your mind. We're going to leave this here for tonight. <coughs> as well. And so the son comes and he says, I want my third of the estate. I want my inheritance. And it's just like we are today. We don't want to wait for anything. We want everything right now. We have to have everything right now. And what happened in this boy's life was not anything new, but he thinks he knows everything and thinks he knows uh, how to make and take care of money. So he asked his father for his money. I was just thinking, if he was so smart, wouldn't he have his own money? 
but he doesn't. He has to have his dad's money. And he's basically saying, I, I, w- I wish you were dead. And we've preached this before, and you understand what I'm saying here. He's saying, I really want your money, but I don't want to wait till you die. So if you could just give it to me now, he's really saying, I wish you were dead so I could have it right now. Which I don't know about you, but if my kids came to me and said that, that would be kind of hurtful. That would be hurtful. And I don't have anything, but if my kids said, Dad, give me my my part of the estate, it would be about like this. But that would be hurtful. I want what you can give me, but I don't want to have a relationship with you. And there's a lot of going on in the world today where people want what God can give them, but they don't want relationship with him. Do you understand? I want what God can give me, but I don't want relationship with you. We don't want to follow God. We want to have a successful family. We want to have a successful marriage, but we don't want Jesus to be the head of our house. We'll never have a successful family until we do things God's way. We want to have good kids, but we won't, don't want to do the hard work that Jesus talks about in the Bible of training up a child. Good kids do not just happen. The word says that we are to train up our children. It's a process of training. The Bible's specific. To, it doesn't say, hope that your kids will get better, pray that your kids will get better. The word says, train your kids in the way of the Lord. So we come to Jesus and we say, oh, fix all these things, but I don't want to have to do the work that you, I don't want to do anything that has to do with the relationship. I just want what you can give me right now. I can't imagine what God goes through every day. I don't know how he stands it. Day after day, people just saying, give me, give me, give me, but I don't want anything to do with you. I just want your stuff. I just want your blessings. I just want your money. I just want what you can give me, but I do not want to spend time with you. That is the most hurtful thing ever, but that's the way that we are. (coughs) And the truth is, we want God's stuff and we want the world's stuff too. You understand that? We want both things. We want the good things that God has but then we want the fun things that the world has and we can't have them both. I'm sorry, but this is, my throat is just blah. Anyway, so we want God's stuff, but we also want world's, world stuff. In the Old Testament, when we, when we talk like that, when we say, I want to be favored by God, but I really want to do the things of the world, the Old Testament talks about that as a harlot relationship means that we we want the israelites always wanted to be the children of god but they always were over here you know fiddling around with idols and things like that and the old testament would call that a harlot relationship that would be like bringing a prostitute into a marriage you know i want to be married but i also want to have a fling with someone else that's the way we are when we say i want what you have god but i also want what the world has and that doesn't work okay Try that with your, no, don't try that with your wives. Don't try that with your wives. But just think about it. Now, don't even think about it. I mean, just. Here's the deal. That's a bad deal. Think about it. I mean, just think about, you go home and tell your wife, you know, I think, I'm thinking about bringing a prostitute into our relationship. 
That's what we do when we tell God, I want, your, I want what you have, God, but I also want all the things that the world has to offer. And that's not going to go over very good with God. And so this son says, I'm going to take the things that, God, that, that my father has, and he says that I'm going, to, I'm going to go and do what I want to do. So this is full of dog food. So it's kind of heavy. So I'm going to carry it around for a while. And when the father gives him the money... I don't think the boy realizes what comes with it because all this comes with it too because he sinned against his father and so there's shame and guilt that comes with it but he doesn't feel it for at first and that's the way we are isn't it when we start off in sin we 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 pick it up and we pick up the shame and the guilt but we don't really know it because sin is so fun at first we don't realize that we're having to start to pay for it And so he picks up what his father gives him, but he also picks up the bucket of guilt and shame and all the good things that his father has given him. And the word says that he quickly went through it. Isn't it interesting how quickly sin messes up something good? He has a third of the estate. His father has worked for years and years and years. He has a third of his estate right here. And, And the word says... (coughs) that he went through it quickly. One quick act of sin can wipe out years of something good. One quick act of sin can wipe out a lifetime of a good reputation. Did you know that? One quick act. It didn't take him long to go through what his father had worked on for years and years and years. It says it didn't take him long to go through it at all. You can have a reputation that you've worked on for years and years and years. You've been honest. You've been faithful. You've been what God has called you to be. And one quick act of sin erases that and it's gone. One drink can push you into alcoholism or cause you to be in a wreck or cause a family to be messed up for all time because of a quick action of sin. Gobs of marriages are ruined in a moment. Years of good and fun and love and memories ruined forever over a quick act of sin in a moment. Pastors, we see this over and over again. Pastors lose their reputations. They lose their jobs. They lose their families. They lose everything over a moment of weakness, a moment, and all of that is gone. You know, it wouldn't take but just a moment for me to ruin everything in my life. Sin ruins a lot of good in a hurry. And it takes only a little while for sin to ruin the years and years and years of work that has been given to his father. And he's in the bad spot, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna pour this. The estate is gone now. That didn't work like I thought it would. So the estate is gone but he's still carrying this around and he's in a bad spot no more fun with his friends he's feeding the pigs he's eating their food and he finally starts to feel the guilt and the shame i'm starting to feel this thing it's starting to get heavy and he finally begins to feel it and how do we know that he feels it because he says i have sinned when he comes to his father, he, he, uh, he, does, he says, I have sinned. 
because he had been feeling guilt and shame. If he hadn't been feeling guilt and shame, he would have just come home and said, hey, I think I want my old room back. Come and get me when dinner's ready. If he didn't feel guilt and shame, he wouldn't have said what he said. But he's feeling something really deep inside of him. He's carrying around this guilt and shame, and he wants rid of it. And he comes to his father, and he says, I have sinned. I'm no longer worthy. He doesn't say, give me back any position in the home. He says, could I just be a servant? Could I be the, the lowest person that you have? I just, what he's really saying is, I just want to have some sort of relationship with you. I'm not coming back for the things. I'm not coming back for the position. I'm not coming back for the rest of the inheritance. I don't want any of that. Can I just, can me and you just be right again? And he does this because he felt guilt and shame because he was carrying this around. Lots of times in the church, we think that guilt and shame is a bad thing. Oh, we don't want people to feel guilty. Oh, we don't want people to feel any shame. We don't want people to feel anything like that. Why not? That was Jesus' way of moving, and it's still the way of moving us into a place where we say, I am so sick of the way I am. I am so sick of carrying this around. Is there any way that I can get back to a right relationship with you and get rid of this nonsense? Guilt and shame pushes us to that. Jesus was very specific. He would say to people, go and sin no more. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. He would say, hey, look, stop sinning. Now, that sounds like something that would bring guilt and shame. But Jesus wasn't saying it to be mean to him. He was saying, look, you don't have to carry that around anymore. Be done with it. Come back. Have a right relationship with me. We We act like it's mean, but it's not. And the son is carrying around this bucket of guilt and shame. And you know what drives him to a place of repentance? The guilt and shame. He's been out in the fields for years and he goes, man, I had all this stuff my dad had given me and things were good. When I had a relationship with my dad, things were good. And I threw that away and the bucket gets heavier and heavier. And then he's out in the midst of the pigs and he doesn't have anything to eat. And he goes, man, why did I ever ruin my relationship with my dad? And the bucket gets heavier and heavier. And we say, oh, that was so mean. That wasn't mean. That was God using whatever he could to drive him back to the place where he came into a right relationship with his father. That's what he does for us. We call it conviction. Does anybody like conviction? Not me, except that it drives me to the place where I get in a right relationship with the Lord. And he just keeps carrying it. And he keeps carrying it. And the guilt and shame is so much that he says, I've got to go back to God. I mean, I've got to go back to my father. And this morning, I'm sure that there are some of you that are just like this this morning packing around guilt and shame from a life of sin. You've done things that you are ashamed of. You've done things that when you lay your head down at night, you know good and well, I never should have done that. And it weighs on you. And in the morning, you get up and you carry it with you just like this all day long. And at night, it's the last thing you think of. And in the morning when you get up, it's the first thing you think of. And it's always there.
And as you work, you might not think of it as much, but it's always there. And you carry around the guilt and shame of sin, of things that you've done that you know good and well are not what God would have you to do. And he comes back to his father. He just wanted things right again. No more carrying around the guilt and shame. No more hurt feelings. No more bad blood between me and you and dad. I just want things to be right again. He wasn't there for the food or the house or anything else. He just wanted his dad. Father, I have sinned. And the way that the word goes through here, the way it sounds, as soon as he says that, the repentance comes. It wasn't a very good snap, was it? I got the wrong hand. He doesn't say, well, tell me all the things you've done, boy. Where you been? What you spend all my money on? Well, you, I don't know if I'm going to... Uh, you, you just sit out here and wait for a while, and I'll, and I'll decide whether I'm going to forgive you or not. The words are barely out of his mouth, and the father knows he's repentant. Have you ever been that way with God? Boy, I have. There have been times that I've been carrying around guilt and shame, and the pastor gives the call. I can remember as a little kid, I thought I was the worst sinner there ever was. And I was just like, will you shut up, like you guys are, will you shut up and give the altar call so I can come? And I'm telling you what, as soon as I made that step out, the Lord knew my heart and knew that I was repentant. As soon as I made that step out, all of a sudden the guilt and shame was going away. Before I could even say the words, oh God, please forgive, it's gone. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's done, it's done. It's over with. And this wasn't a big long out ordeal. The, the, the guilt and shame was gone immediately. And he didn't care about all the things he had done to him. It was done. And immediately, he let it down. I've just been carrying that for a little while. And that feels really good to lay that down. You ever carried something really heavy for a long time? You ever pick up like a big couch or something like that? And always, I don't know why it is, but every time someone moves or every time we move, it's like a thousand degrees outside. And you've got a big couch and a little door and you're carrying it and there ain't no way to really get a good hold on it. And you're just like, and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And doesn't it feel good when you just lay that dumb thing down? I remember when we was kids, we used to play basketball and our coach I don't know what his deal was but we would always run right at the end of practice and we never he never gave us water breaks and we would just be dying and I can't tell you how good it felt when he'd go all right you're done oh man I'm I get to lay that down I tried to exercise this week my left knee has been completely inactive for about 10 years now. And in that 10 years, I figured out that this week, it's completely useless. It, it barely, I don't know how it holds me up. I tried, to, I tried to exercise this week and nearly fell over on the floor. I tried to put some weight on it, and of course, it's a mammoth amount of weight. But my knee doesn't work anymore. But I, when we exercise or we do something or we lift something or we're carrying something for a long time and we get really tired, doesn't it feel good to just be done with that? And just, uh, 
lay that down. It feels so good. But that's the way repentance is. It's in an instant. And in the instant that we come and we repent of whatever it is that we've done against God, it's done and it's like setting that bucket down. How do you how good do you think that felt to that boy that day? How good do you think that felt to just hear his father say, Hey, it's done. It's over with. Me and you were right back. Everything is fine. All the years of embarrassment, all the years of shame, all the years of guilt of doing what he had done to his father, all of them are gone. When I told the boys on Tuesday to drop their buckets, they said, boy, it felt good to let go of that because they were little kids. It's a pretty heavy bucket. They were little kids. They were just, you know, and I'd be telling the story and I'd stop and I go, you guys are doing a great job. And I just kept making it longer. And they'd be like, tell the story so I can set this down. It feels good to just be done. Be done with it. Is anybody there this morning? You've only wanted God for what he could give you. And you wanted the things of the world. And you haven't followed God in the way that would honor him. And you've got sin in your life and I don't know what it is but you do and this morning if I said are you carrying around guilt and shame you know exactly what it's from and you know exactly what it is and you know exactly what it feels like to carry it around you've taken the gifts that God has given you and you've used them up on yourself and now all you have to show for it is a heavy bucket that you carry around all day long every day And all you want to do is be in a right relationship. We're not talking about getting to heaven today. We're talking about you and God in a right relationship. I'm going to tell you this morning, I got really good news. You can get rid of your bucket this morning. You can be done with it. You can let go of it. When you get to the point that you hate your sin as much as Jesus does, and you just lay it down, And then you're clean and you're guilt-free and you can leave it at the altar. Anybody tired of carrying around guilt and shame and sin? This morning you can repent and leave it at the altar. Repentance is not, oh, I'm sorry and I'm probably going to do it later. Repentance is three things. It's a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of action. It's saying, I hate it so much that I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to say those words again, or I'm never going to act like this again. I'm never going to do this habit again. And I've seen it so many times. I've watched people in our church. They have habits or things or, or whatever, and they come to the altar and they lay it down, and it never was a problem again. And we have a hard time believing it's true, but I've seen it over and over again. I've seen people with smoking addictions, drinking addictions, uh, addictions in their life, and they just say, God, I am sick, and they've carried that around for years. They carry it and carry it and carry it and carry it, and I've watched them, and it's almost as vivid as this. They lay it down on that altar, and they walk away from it. And you know what? If you walk away from it, it'll stay there. The bad thing is Satan will come, and he'll go, hey, hey, you remember this? Remember what you did? Remember what you did way back when? 
after you get after you repent god doesn't bring up your guilt and shame anymore that's the wonderful thing about it god never says hey you remember the way you were remember what you did that's satan now people say well god doesn't use guilt and shame yes he does he yes uses guilt and shame to get you to a place where you repent and then he doesn't use it anymore after that it's satan and he'll carry it around behind you and go, you remember this? You remember what you did? There's no way that you should be saved after what you did. That's Satan, okay? That's not God. So this morning, if you're carrying around something like this, set it down and leave it there and don't pick it back up. There are people all over this place who have done that. I have done that. Everybody that's ever been saved has left it at the altar and just leave it there. I want us all to stand this morning. Jimmy and Lance, come. It wasn't easy for that boy to go back and talk to his father. It wasn't easy. He had to admit that he was wrong. Boy, we hate to do that. I hate to do that. We hate to admit that we're wrong. How good do you think it felt that night just to be done with it? And his father said, hey, I'm so glad you came back. That's what Jesus wants to do to you this morning. Some of you are carrying around guilt and shame from something. You know what? You know what? I don't care what it is. I don't care. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell anybody here. Nobody's going to be going, I wonder what they did. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. The father didn't care. He just said, I want you back. I want you back. As soon as he said, Father, I've it's just like, okay, whatever. I'm, oh, I'm so glad you're back. I'm so glad you're back. It's done. We're not going to talk about it anymore. Welcome back to the home. I don't know where you are this morning, what's going on in your life. But if you're packing around this bucket of guilt and shame from sin, you can be done with it this morning and you can leave it here and you can walk out and you never have to pick it back up again. And you can leave here in a right relationship with the Father. If you need to pray this morning, you know I don't know. But wouldn't you like to leave here not carrying the bucket? Let's sing. Come, if you need to pray, come as we sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided.